Grace to you and peace from God, the Father Almighty, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your fellow servants of the Master, Jesus Christ. All right, Marvel fans, see if you can help me complete this phrase. With great power comes great responsibility. Uncle Ben, right? Uncle Ben said that to Peter Parker. Peter Parker, who we know better as Spider-Man. Uncle Ben sensed something in Peter that was special, some sort of gift, some sort of ability. And Uncle Ben tells Peter, what a waste that would be to not use that wisely. After all, can you imagine Peter Parker having those spidey senses, the ability to climb walls and sling webs and capture the bad guy, but just hanging out in Aunt May's basement? Who would read that comic book? Who would go to that movie? What a waste, we'd think. So we agree with Uncle Ben that with great power comes great responsibility. So let's move from the Marvel universe, that made-up universe, to the real universe and the very real kingdom of Christ. In our parable for this morning, Jesus tells us an earthly story because he wants to teach us a heavenly truth. He tells a story of a master who goes away, but before he goes away, he gives his servants talents. He entrusts three of his servants with different amounts of money. <clears throat> After being gone for a long time, he returns to find out what his servants have done with the things he gave them. As we listen to this, we realize Jesus is the master. Jesus is the master who has gone away for a long time. He ascended into heaven, but he's coming back. And while he's gone... He hasn't entrusted us with bags of money, though maybe he has. But primarily, he's entrusted us with different talents, different abilities, different gifts. He's provided these gifts to his people, to you. The question before us today is not whether we have talents or gifts or abilities. The question is, what are those? And how can we put them to use? What are we doing with them? So let's listen now to the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. <clears throat> Jesus says, It will be, so it refers back to the coming of the Son of Man, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, <coughs> you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two more talent, two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I, have, I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, be more, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So far the word, even so we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As we take a look at this parable and think about Jesus coming back on the last day, maybe the first thing we need to identify in the parable is what he calls a talent. Now, we're going to use it in a different way coming up, but for the moment, in Jesus' day, a talent was a sum of money. It was a certain amount of money. A talent was equal to about 20 years' wages. So think about what that might equal to. Maybe a million dollars, 1.4, 1.6 million dollars. That's just one talent. And as the master goes away on his journey, he gives different amounts of money to different servants. Jesus says, each according to their ability. So Jesus says the master knew what he could entrust with each one of those servants while he's gone. To one, he gives five talents. Do some quick math. That's about 100 years worth of wages. To another, he gives two talents. That's about 40 years worth of wages. And that last servant, we may say, well, he only gave him one talent. Yet how much is one talent worth today? A million? A million plus? That's a large sum of money, even if it's only that one talent. Well, the first two servants, they receive the master's money. And what do they do with it? Jesus says immediately they go and they put it to work. They invest it. We might think of the disciples after Jesus' ascension into heaven, after Pentecost. What were the disciples doing? They stopped sitting around, looking up into the sky, wondering Jesus was going to come back, and they got to work. They invested the abilities God had given them, especially the gospel, and shared that. When the master returns, 
He praises both of them the same. Notice it doesn't matter whether they had gained five talents or two talents. He talks about them being good and faithful. They were reliable. They could be trusted with what the master had given them. And he rejoices in their faithfulness. But what about that third servant? What does that third servant do with his master's money? Nothing, right? Buries it in the ground. He says he buried it. (coughs) He buried it in the ground because he knew his master could make things happen without anybody doing anything. So he doesn't bother even trying. The master is right in calling him wicked and slothful. The servant showed his wickedness because he refused to do anything with the gift that that master had given him, but sticks it in the ground. He hides that talent. The master takes that one talent from that lazy servant and gives it to the servant that had proved he can be trusted with his master's possession. That worthless servant is then removed from the presence of his master and cast into the outer darkness. So when Jesus speaks of a talent in our text, he's speaking of that sum of money. But let's take the word the way we understand the word. A talent. A talent is a gift or an ability to do something. We have people with musical talents who can play instruments. And the list goes on and on. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. Gifts, abilities, talents. There Paul specifically mentions Christ giving his church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he tells us why he gives those gifts to his church, he says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. As a pastor, God has called me specifically to equip the saints. That's you. And to equip you for the work of ministry. That means service with the result that the body of Christ is built up. I pray we can accomplish that very thing today. In Ephesians 4, Paul talks about those five gifts Christ gave to his church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but we know there's a lot more. We heard a lot more in Romans chapter 12. Why don't you open your bulletins to that page? Take a look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to pull it up on the screens at home, too. In verses 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul talks about the various talents that God has given to his church. What's the first one? The gift of prophecy. How many of you have the gift of prophecy? Well, remember what a prophet does. A prophet's job is just to say, thus says the Lord. He's a spokesman for God. It's someone who tells people what God says. Next is the gift of service. 
The Greek word for service here is where we get our English word deacon. A deacon is a servant, someone who enjoys serving other people. What's the third gift? Teaching. That's a gift, isn't it? It's a gift of being able to take someone from what they know, regardless of how old they are, and bring them to something they didn't know before. That's teaching. Then there's the gift of contributions. Did you know that was a gift of God given to his church? Absolutely. It's someone who has been given the generous spirit and enjoys sharing things with other people. Next, we have exhortation. Now, that's not a word we use very often. Exhortation simply means to put your arm around somebody, call them to your side, to walk with them, talk with them, encourage them. And that's a gift. That's an ability of being able to encourage someone and build them up. Then there's the gift of leadership. Is that a gift in the church? Absolutely. Can you imagine what shape the church would be in on earth if it didn't have any leaders? Anyone who could take the reins and provide direction for a congregation? Finally, Paul speaks of the gift of showing mercy or compassion to other people. That's the gift of when you see someone suffering, you feel like, I need to do something about that. I need to jump in here. I need to help this person. But there's more. There's more than Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us even more examples. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the ability (coughs) to distinguish between spirits. Now, sometimes we bemoan in our church body that we're always talking about doctrinal differences. But according to 1 Corinthians 12, that's a gift of being able to recognize true teaching and false teaching and to warn the church about those errors. The person who has that gift of being able to distinguish between spirits is someone who enjoys investigating and understanding doctrinal differences. Also in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the gift of healing. Think of a doctor, a nurse, an EMT, somebody who, when they see an injury or an illness, they know the remedy. They know what to apply in that given situation. It's somebody who likes to help people that are ill or hurting. That's a pretty short list, isn't it? It's a pretty short list of the various talents Christ has given to his church on earth in order to build up the body of Christ. So let's define talents this way. Gifts, abilities, and interests that benefit other people. And there's a variety of them. There's a wide variety of gifts, but there's one master who gives those talents, each according to their ability. And he's provided those talents, those abilities, those gifts, because he wants them to be put to work while he is away. He's done that with each of you. He's given those gifts so that you can be personally involved in the work of ministry. 
in building up the body of Christ. Familiar with the phrase sweat equity? When you're involved in a project, when you're personally engaged and involved, it means more to you, doesn't it, than when you watch somebody else do it for you. That's what Christ has done with his church on earth. He's provided opportunities <coughs> and ways for each one of his people to be personally involved with the work of ministry, that the body of Christ may be built up. All right, now is uncomfortable time. In your bulletins, I provided quite a bit of space for you. And I did that because I want you to genuinely think about what we've just talked about. Um, our usher has some pens if anybody wants a pen to jot notes down. Uh, I think we only have about 30 of them or so. If you want a pen to take some notes with, just raise your hand and Dan will come around. So what I want you to think about, and I'm going to give you a couple of minutes of awkward silence to really think through this. I want you to think about a couple things. I want you to stop and think about the things that personally interest you, things that pique your attention and you enjoy doing. Think about the abilities and <coughs> interests the master has given to you. But I don't want you to just think about your own personal interests and abilities. I want you to think about our congregation as a whole also. Different abilities, different interests, different things that really move our congregation. Then I want you to think about how those gifts, interests, and abilities could be used for Jesus, for the good of his kingdom, and for the good of our neighbor. I want you to think about how the gifts Jesus has given Berea as a congregation, and how we can put those gifts to use in the benefit of Christ's kingdom. So, if you need a pen, raise your hand. And it doesn't matter what age you are. As we talked about in our children's sermon, Christ has given gifts to every single one of his people. So, take those home with you. I know, nervously, as Lutherans, we don't like doing things that we're not accustomed to in church. So, take that home with you and think about it today. And my challenge to you is to come back with things, especially as a congregation, we could be doing better with the gifts, abilities, and interests Christ has given us as a congregation. We'll talk a little bit more about that at announcements. But for now, the question isn't if Christ has given gifts to his church on earth. The Bible is clear. He has. And if you're not sure what those gifts are, if you can't figure it out, talk to the people you know best, and they'll help you. They'll help point out what they see Christ has given you. The question isn't if we've been given gifts or abilities. The question is, what are we doing with them? If we use this parable as a mirror, which servant do we see looking back at us? Do we see the servants who got those gifts and abilities and immediately they had to get out and they had to put them to work? <clears throat> or do we see the lazy servant who hid his talent? Think of the conversation he had with his master. I know you are a hard man. I know you reap what you don't sow and gather where you don't plant. Don't we think that sometimes with the abilities and gifts we have? 
That surely Jesus has given those gifts and abilities to other people. Surely Jesus can have somebody else do this. May the Master have mercy on us for the times we've hidden his talent in the ground. The times we've been reluctant to put his talents to work. Thinking we can get, the Master can surely get somebody else to do this. And as we plead for the Master's mercy, let us keep our eyes on him and think about him. Is there anyone who has ever walked this earth who had more gifts and abilities than Jesus? Think of how Jesus took time to bring the little children into his arms. Think of how he comforted the mourning. How he helped those who were demon-possessed. And how he confronted the hypocrites with the truth. And what did Jesus get for putting his talents to work? He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was spit upon and slapped. Yeah, they gave him a crown, but it was a crown of thorns. Yes, they lifted him up, but it was to nail him to a cross. And Jesus could have hidden himself. He shows us that in the Gospels. Like Elijah, he could have hidden in a cave by himself, but he didn't. No, with steely determination, Jesus rides on to Jerusalem, making his way to the cross. He didn't hide his face, as Isaiah says, from the slaps, the beating, the spit. He didn't hide his back from the scourging. He didn't pull away his hands and feet from the nails. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary to pay for the sins of wicked, lazy servants who can't be bothered with using the talents he has given them because it's too hard. So, my fellow lazy servants, there are talents here at Berea. Talents that Jesus has given us that we are not putting to work. And I can say that because when I look in the mirror, I see talents he's given me that I have not put to full use, that I haven't tried to develop, that I have not fully invested in service to my master. I can also say that because I've been a part of seven congregations in my life, and in every one of those congregations, it was always a minority. In each of those congregations I've been a part of, it's always a minority that does a majority of the work whether it was a congregation of 40 or a congregation of 400. That's always the case. But the thing is, it should never be that way because Christ has distributed gifts to his church, so we all have gifts. We all have abilities. We all have interests that Jesus has given us. Let's stop hiding them in the ground and eagerly invest ourselves in kingdom work that the body of believers may be strengthened. And as we repent of our laziness, Let's look to Jesus. Rejoice that the Master has given you another day, another opportunity to put those gifts to work. He hasn't come back to take an account, but has provided you the opportunity we've had today to really think about these things. Look to the cross and see how Jesus used his ability to save you. Look to the empty tomb of Easter and rejoice that he's won forgiveness for our laziness.
Look to the ascended Lord and know for certain that he has given you talents and abilities to serve his church. Rather than hiding those talents in the ground, pray Master Jesus would help you to find ways to put those gifts to work and rejoice. Rejoice that Jesus has made you a member of his body and has given you gifts so that you can be personally involved in the building up of his church. All praise be to our Master Jesus. Amen.